Welcome to the Distracted Driving Podcast. I'm Sean Genovese. I am Rex Williams. And this is the third and final part of our interview with lean practitioner Brian Hurley, who has compiled a book called Lean Six Sigma for Good, a compilation, uh, two-volume compilation of stories about lean practitioners using their skills and expertise in support of nonprofits. And, you know, this one, uh, there's some things in here that definitely resonated with me, specifically uh, about, and I can't remember if he said it or I did, but volunteers are hard. (laughs) Uh, Mm. Harnessing the power, I think I said it actually, uh, based on, on something hard Brian to says, manage or well, it's it's I I believe that harnessing the power of volunteers is more difficult than harnessing the energy within an organization where you have command and control authority over uh, people. Uh, yeah. But when you're um, when you're in a a nonprofit or you're dealing with volunteers, you know there's there's this this tension where. Uh, we want to focus on efficiency, but um, it's really, and this comes up in the episode, it's really just about not having chaos because sometimes having some inefficiency in some of the, the nonprofit workings, there might be a learning that needs to take place, mm-hmm. either with volunteers or with the people that are, are benefiting from the organization. So if you're, for example, refurbishing computers, uh, and part of that process is to get the people to understand more about computers. Well, then you maybe don't want it to be streamlined. You you want them to have some struggles because that's part of the value that's being extracted. But you don't want it to be chaotic or the volunteers won't come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could totally see that. So... Um, that's kind of setting the stage for uh, the conversation with uh, Brian and um, the third conversation that I also was not there. That's right. If you did not tune in to the previous two episodes, uh, Rex is conspicuously absent for this episode. He was um, doing he, something else. <laughs> he was inspecting. He was doing an inspection. A uh rear eyelid inspection <laughs> Did we record early in the morning or what i i uh i don't know what happened but Late afternoon. Um, he did not respond to my text was, messages or my phone calls he it was, was m i what we call m i a yes he was he was m i a but he's here now and um just for fun introducing Brian. So yes, part three of our conversation, which of course still sponsored in part by Sean Genovese Enterprises, an organization of the highest caliber. (laughs) All the organization. Helping teams, helping companies develop standard work so they can eliminate instability, which is the kryptonite to any process or organization, uh, operation, whatever whatever term you want to use. Mm-hmm. So you can go to nomorekryptonite.com to learn more about that, and you can stay tuned to learn more about Lean Six Sigma for good. 
I, I saw something else recently uh, too. I can't remember if it was on your website or somewhere else where, where you can select your own price. How, how much would that you be it. willing to pay? That, okay. that was Lean Pub. Yep. Gotcha. And so that was the other thing is like you can set a minimum, I think, or recommended. Yeah. And you could toggle that up or down. Um, so there is a little bit of kind of pay what you can or pay what you want. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting approach to, and a lot of people are kind of trying that out and some nonprofits have tried that out with like, you know, um, restaurants and things that pay what you can. And here's mm. a recommended price, but if you can't afford that, we'll, we'll take a dollar, you know, and then we hope that the rest of the customers come in and kind of cover the difference and maybe set the recommended a little higher to make sure you can cover the people who can afford that. And so uh, that was kind of a really intriguing approach too. that. Yeah. I think even Panera might've done that with a, like a different type of restaurant they set up. And then I know some nonprofit restaurants have done something similar just so they make sure they're not turning people away. I, I do feel like uh, that works better in the nonprofit profit space where you are tugging at maybe a heartstring um, because you know let's say I'm going to do a, a, a consulting engagement if I say well listen the minimum is a thousand dollars but you can pay more if you'd like <laughs> <laughs> who would do that <laughs> that's true I mean, maybe my mom, <laughs> but I can see with a, with a nonprofit, Hey, look, we're, we're really looking this, this is for charity or this is going to go benefit this organization. This is our minimum. But if you want to give more, we will take more and it's, it's going there. Yep. Yep. I like it. Um, so, okay. Where is the, uh, you said it's on the Amazon. Yep. But you've um, you've got a bit of a web empire now as well. And again, I don't know if you always had it and I didn't know or if it's new uh, or if it makes a difference. But you've got the business performance improvement. We've got brianhurley.com. We've got uh, Lean yep. Six Sigma for good. Uh, where yep. do you want people to go? Um, for this conversation, probably leansixsigmaforgood.com. And then so... On that site, I've been pulling these other examples and articles and interviews with people where there's some tie to process improvement and some social or environmental issue. Um, and so that's kind of where I've been putting most of the content and then trying to get maybe some of those examples pulled out into a book with more depth and more details, maybe more for the person like myself that I want to see some of the details of how they got there and the approach they took. So, and also the, the, not just the process part of it, but the, you know, what's the difference? What, what can they expect going to work for, um, work in a nonprofit? What are the things they need to keep in mind? Like, again, don't focus so much on efficiency. It's really, um, like, Part of it is like there's a skill development that they're going through. So um, one of the groups in, in Portland we were working with, they process laptops and computer equipment and they refurbish it and resell it. And so we were looking at the process and saying, well, you could do this much more streamlined and it'd be easier. And 
And they said, but then we wouldn't have an opportunity to have people learn that skill and practice. And if they feel like it's too much like working in a factory, which that's has a really bad connotation that I don't think people have worked in a factory because I don't think it's that bad, but um, they don't want it to be like that. And so they're really cautious about, we need to make sure that people have a, a, a good time and they want to come back because it's, a lot of times they're volunteers. So if they feel it's too much like a job, they're not going to want to come back. So trying to balance out the experience they're having with getting things done for the, the mission of the organization. And, and so that has to be the other thing we balance a little bit. And so like having people talk about that and these experiences will help people be prepared for that. So they don't come in and say, we're going to streamline this and, and optimize this process. And they're frustrated with the results, even though they're better results. We don't want that to happen or people to be so focused on outcomes instead of thinking about this more than just that when you're dealing with these kind of organizations. So talk, talking to them about those experiences in the chapter may be more in-depth than maybe I'm seeing in the articles and videos that I'm finding online. I, I think that's a, um, a really good argument for what I always advocate for first, which is another S word, and that's stability. Uh, especially when you're talking about, oh, man, volunteers are hard. Um, I, I think I think harnessing the power of volunteers successfully is more difficult than than running a a regular business or organization because you don't generally have the command and control authority. Mm -hmm. um, you're not generally paying people, and nope. so you're you're relying on their interest, but nobody likes to be a part of something that's chaotic. And so if there's no stability or there's no organization, um, it's hard. It's, it's hard to keep people wanting to come back, which yeah. when you're doing improvement, as you well know, I mean, if you don't have stability and you're trying to improve something, you might as well go to Chuck E. Cheese and play the whack-a-mole game. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, well, this is, uh, this is cool. Uh, I am sure that, uh, well over five listeners will be, uh, paying attention. Actually, that's, that's not true. I think we have about five YouTube vi viewers, but we've got more than that, that, that listen. And, um, we will certainly, uh, try to get the word out here. Um, which, uh, y you've, you've done a good job already. I saw it and, and I was like, wow, that sounds awesome. Um, I would love to be a part of, of a future edition. I don't know that I have any, uh, any content that will, will qualify, but maybe if you need a proofreader or something, I can, I can help <laughs> that way. Yeah. Or if you, yeah, if you know someone or, um, but I mean, it just, um, and, and even thinking about it, you know, it doesn't have to be saving the world either. It's like, um, some of them are just, uh, organizations people belong to and they're, you know, one of the chapters in volume one was someone works at their, you know, doing work in their local church and they were looking at, you know, just making the process more optimized and um, they were distributing flags on flag day. It's not solving a major social problem, but it's raising funds for the organization that they use to provide out, but just distributing the flags out to the yards and picking them up in a more efficient way. So that yeah. maybe There's the volunteer... There. Yeah, the volunteer hours turns from 100 hours of time to 50 hours of time. And so right. they 
are accomplishing the mission, but they have they don't have to exhaust all of their time doing it. They can go home and and not have to volunteer so many hours each year. So like those are good experiences too, and good examples of um, allowing people more work-life balance. And so those are good examples too to to think about. But um, and I've worked with students and the education system and um, helping them through the the process of building their skill set. I mean, there's improvements to be had there too. So um, I know education is one where that's, I would call that a social um, mission too, to um, get people through that process, um, help people pay for it. Um, and so they can go off and do good work with the skills they're gaining. You know, you're, you're applying a, uh, unintentionally implying a certain amount of, of peer pressure and shame upon me here because <laughs> my, uh, my kids are in cheer and without even picking on, on that specific organization, the, the extracurricular nonprofit space that is generally speaking organized and run by parents is a hot mess. <laughs> and I see, I, I mean, you know, you're talking here about opportunity. I see so much opportunity, but I'm like, Ooh, do I want to step into this? Yeah. I really want to <laughs> put my foot in there, <laughs> but you know, maybe Brian, maybe I'll do it for you for the sake of getting a story that I could write and contribute to the next edition. <laughs> yeah. No. And I think those are like, you know, the, I, I was spent a lot of time with my brother this year and seeing the activities he has with his kids. And it's just like constantly going and doing stuff. And it's like, yeah, you want those things to run smoothly. And if they're, having to spend extra time at them because it's not organized well it's taking up that time that could be spent doing something else so yeah it's uh there's a lot of people seeing those yeah. types of processes that could probably use some help well it goes back to what you said a minute ago about uh, boy if something is taking 100 hours with volunteers and you can get it down to 50 uh great now i don't need as many volunteers or, or they don't have to volunteer as much of their time as and maybe long. that's the incentive they need to to remain engaged. Yep. And I think burnout is a huge problem in the nonprofit sector. Oh, that for sure. They are passionate about it, but they are spread thin and it's, they have to take the workload on and it's got to get done and they work so hard at it. And they're just like, I give up. I can't do this anymore. It's not healthy. It's not good. And they disappear and there's, high turnover in the nonprofits and we were working with one group and then wait, what happened to that person? Oh, they left. We have a new person. Yeah. And so the churn was much higher than I, we expected. And more and so, instability. Yes. And therefore, if you don't have processes and structure there, then it's on a whim on who's leading it. And then you're starting over or we never really, you know, established that. So we're not doing that anymore. Um, yeah, just kind of, creates all kinds of other things and amen yeah that was a surprise i mean that's there's the promo for this episode right there that last 30 <laughs> seconds i mean that's wash rinse repeat that's what we see it doesn't matter for profit non-profit uh if you don't have processes and documented processes 
then what you're doing is at the whim of whoever is in charge. And it's only as good as their tenure with the organization yeah. or the team. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, so you, you still doing your, uh, you still got your day job? I do. Yep. So that's my, that's the business performance improvement. That's the consulting group I set up um, after I left industry um, after about 18 years. And um, yeah, I love it. Uh, it's a lot of different interesting clients. Um, some good, cool uh, projects, some standard, you know, just regular industry work. Um, but it's enough that kind of gives you a nice mix. And then I'm getting so much more exposure to different types of processes, different industries. And, you know, everyone says, this doesn't pertain to, to us. What would you know about this industry? You worked in this other industry. And it goes back to what you are saying before. It's like, yep. I get that to a point, but we, I can pick up that fairly easily. It's the, it just going to be the principles, um, that are, um, going to stick to whether it's, you know, people going through the education system to making food, to, um, processing clothing, to, um, sending wired transmissions and, and cash to different countries. Uh, it's the same principles. I mean, I, I stop people right there in their tracks. I go, listen, I know. I don't understand. Your process is different. You guys are special. Can we get it all out of our system right now so that we can solve the problems that you have? Yeah. <laughs> I've heard it all before. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And your focus with that is really on the education piece, right? I do a lot of training. Yep. Yeah. Um, a little bit of consulting and project support for people doing their certifications and completing projects. So that's what I really enjoy is helping people with their projects and fixing problems and helping them figure out how to make things better. Um, that's fun. I, I don't mind teaching. Um, I'm not, I'm good at it and good enough at it, but it's, uh, I don't want to teach all the time. So I'd, I like mixing it up a little bit because yeah. I think that there's a lot of importance to the teaching that I learn from teaching and having people in the classes, but also I like to get in and, and go deep into specific problems and work through those. So I like the balance of kind of like a little bit of coaching and working with teams on strategy, a little bit of deep dive into specific processes, and then some general training, get people's skills ramped up and see them kind of take off and get excited and uh, want to practice on what they learned. I just really try to drive them to, you got to do something with this. If I teach you, all, if we spend five days together and you don't practice this, this is a, that's a waste of my time right. and your time. And that's yeah. not any value for anyone. So I'd rather not be here if we're not going to do something like take, you got to, you got to find the time to practice what, this stuff. It doesn't just, Oh, that's nice. And let me go back to my regular job. It's how do, you got to find a way to apply and practice so that, that you'll get good at it. But um, it's a struggle. A lot of people are, again, goes back to too many projects. Um, they got to figure out when do I'm going to practice this when I've got 12 things on my plate and all of them are overdue. Um, so then a lot of them don't do anything after the class. And that's a little frustrating. Yeah. 
um, or, or they're waiting for the cavalry to arrive. All right, I've been <laughs> trained. I can see all this waste. Great. When's somebody going to come fix it? <laughs> There's no they. <laughs> you have to reprioritize. Well, awesome. Um, I appreciate you spending some time to share the Lean Six Sigma for Good journey. And hopefully we can get uh, a few more people aware of it and checking it out and consuming stories and maybe contributing stories. That'd be great. Yeah, just have them reach out to me and you can find me on LinkedIn um, or on those uh, the Lean Six Sigma for Good website. There's a contact button so you can, that'll get to me. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that'd be great. I'd like to, I know there's a bunch more stories out there and people who would like to share. Um, but yeah, also if you know somebody who might like those stories or you know an organization that might like that, maybe you can gift it to them or we can get them a copy somehow. So reach out to me if there's a, a, a barrier there and I'll, I'll get them a PDF version or something. So I just, we really do want to get just the word out because um, that's really the the mission for a lot of the people and the authors in in the in the book is they want to tell the story so that others can benefit from it. So um, ultimately, we're going to figure out how we can uh, just maybe distribute it out. Maybe we don't charge anything at some point, but maybe if you pay something, there's a little bit of incentive to actually read it. So don't get me started on um, books and unread books. Uh, that's a whole nother. <laughs> I, I got a, I got a few sitting on the desk right over here. Yeah. Um, one of them, I have to be careful that I don't disclose that I haven't read it yet, or the person who gave it to me is going to get mad at me. Right. So only uh, buy the book if you're committed to reading it, because uh, yeah, how many? I, I don't know what the percentage is, but I'm scared if they actually check to see of the books purchased, how many actually got read. I don't think it's a high percentage. Well, and I wonder and just how many. So, so here's what I'm guilty of. Um, well, first of all, I figured out a while back that reading books like that, that's not how I consume information. It's just, it's just not. Now, that being said, I, I will read probably one or two books a, a year. I think the last one I finished in this genre would, was, uh, I almost called it the Magic School Bus, but that's not what it's called. It's the, the energy bus. Um, okay. But a lot of times what happens to me is I will start a book and that's the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of whip. <laughs> I, yes, 100%. I've got one, uh, two actually that I've started and I haven't finished. And it's not that they're not good books. It's just that, um, and, and look, I'll, I'll raise my hand and say, uh, I'm not making excuses. I, I, I realize I could and, and maybe should make time. I don't. But also, I, at some point, I stopped making myself feel bad about that because I realized, you know what? I'm consuming all this other content, some of it by the same people, just in a different, uh, a different mode. And uh, I kind of figured out that that's what works a little bit better for me. Um, now, all of that I've being said... I've audiobooks personally i mean i've i don't if it's on audio, audio or audible i or some other audio book format then that's how i digest it i've right. read maybe a handful of books over my first 15 20 years and then now i'm doing two a month just through my subscriptions that um 
just blowing through stuff because it's convenient. I don't have to stop and right. do everything. I can go work out. I can um, do whatever I want as long as I'm kind of paying attention to what's going on there. Um, so yeah, that format is way better for me. It's it's kind of like uh, the podcast format, really. I mean, yep. it's it's a, a a book podcast. In fact, it I is. guess you could probably yeah. say that audio books were the first podcasts. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Well, anyway, all of that being said, uh, I don't want to poo-poo books because I'm I'm writing one, uh, <laughs> another one, and. I also like this one. Um, I have not read all the stories yet. Um, but I mean, I, I think my, my intent is, uh, you know, I think I told you, I'm teaching two classes now. Uh, one's on leadership, one's on innovation. Um, I'm looking for case studies all the time. So my students that are listening to this episode right now are going, great. He's getting new homework ideas. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I am getting new homework ideas. And that's, uh, that's one of the reasons why I am going to cruise through and check out the stories. Okay. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's another thing. Like if there's an organization or a school or a nonprofit that needs copies of something, I mean, we can figure out a way to get that to them. Probably no, no charge. So, um, I might again, take you up on that. Figure out ways to get the word up. Yeah. Cool. Okay, that is the end of our interview with Brian Hurley. So thankful that he was able to carve out some time to chat with uh, me. (laughs) Yeah, that was great stuff. Awesome. Uh, if you if you didn't quite catch the last part of that, he did say that if you are a nonprofit or a school educational entity, uh, he is willing to figure out how to get you copies of the Lean Six Sigma for Good books, uh, potentially free of charge, in order to allow you to use it in, say, an educational or instructional setting. Uh, I may take him up on that next semester for my own teaching endeavors. Uh, you can get a hold of Brian at LeanSixSigmaForGood.com. And uh, let's see, what else? Oh, yes, you can get a hold of us at distracteddrivingpodcast.com. We would love for you to leave us a comment. You can do that on the web page. There's a web page for each of these episodes. You can uh, rate us on your favorite podcasting platform. We would love to get some ratings. Rate us a one, two, three, four, five, but make it a five. (laughs) Uh, Leave us comments, ratings, what else? If anybody would like to be a sponsor of the show, we have well over five listeners. So, you know, you want to access those people. You can be a sponsor. Uh, and then you'll get mentioned on the show, yeah? Just like just like SG Enterprises gets mentioned yeah. all the time on the show because <laughs> they are they're, they're one of our major sponsor. sponsors. <laughs> yes. Uh, they're, uh, is it fair to say they're our favorite sponsor? <laughs> at this point in time, but we don't want to offend the others. Well, listen, go check them out at nomorecryptonite.com. I've heard that SG Enterprises sends out a weekly newsletter full of wit and wisdom that uh, takes a look at various lean principles through the lens of everyday activities. Sounds great. Sounds really enticing. All right, we will see you. Oh, actually, we will not see you for a little while because we're going on hiatus. What? Yes. We're going to take a little break. Um, Kind of... uh, Season ending. This is the end of the season. Season two. This is the end of season two. 
And when we come back, season three is going to start. I mean, I could tease it, or should I just tell them? No, we'll tell them. Tease it. Season three is going to start with a live show. <gasps> what? But that's funny. I almost How was forgot. That possible. I, I, I almost told I forgot. That's why I was pimping the mailing list because sign up for my email newsletter so that oh. you can find out when the live show will be. And you can be and you on can tune it. in. Uh, if you'd like to be a guest, uh, we have not decided yet who our guests will be. We may do a no guest show. It's hard to say. Yeah. That's one yeah. of the things we're going to discuss on our hiatus. Nobody signs up. <laughs> you might have to, but I'm sure they'll be pouring in all the so, viewers. Uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be flooding the social media, though, with some clips of our previous episodes. Uh, some, you know, just little snippets. Our episodes are short already, but uh, we'll be doing some little 30, 60, 90 second sound bites, um, you know, for your enjoyment, for you to share, take to your next cocktail party. <laughs> And we'll be getting ready piece. for season three's kickoff with a live show, mostly because we can. Because we want to. We want to try it out. So, um, thank you for tuning in for what has now yes. been uh, 30, what was this? 36 episodes. Wow. And we will see you for many, many more at the beginning of season three. Stay tuned.